I don't want to just make it to pro skater level. I want to make it to greatness level. And part of greatness is longevity. You know, the longer you are, the the, the more consistently you perform at a high level for a long period of time, the, the stronger your legacy becomes. You know, and so I, I remember having that and wanting to go for that. Hey everyone, you're tuning into the Founder Hour. I'm your co-host Pat. And I'm Posh. And today on the show, we're joined by Paul Rodriguez, aka P-Rod. What's Paul, up? It's great to have you on, man. <laughs> Thank and you. Thanks for opening up your home to us. No problem. Thank you for coming by. Some yeah. fellow Valley, uh, valley yeah. heads, oh, you yeah. know? I, I was about to say, you know, uh, we're, we're practically neighbors and yeah. grew up in the same city, which is really cool because you don't meet too many people That's dope. from Northridge. So yeah. if anyone's from Northridge listening, shout out to you. Shout out what to hospital Northridge. were you born at? I know it's a weird I question. I was actually born in uh, Tarzana Hospital. Same here. Really? Same here. That's dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tarzana boys. I think I remember meeting you when you were first born. Yeah. We, we must have ran each other <laughs> yeah, at, the, yeah. in the, at the maternity ward there. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was great times. You know, less stress, you yeah, know, not yeah. too much on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. But. So life was so much more simple back <laughs> right? then. Right. So much more simple. That first day of life. So Paul, we're really excited to learn uh, kind of more about your journey and kind of talk whether it's skateboarding, business, life, um, and just kind of anything that's on your mind. So okay. uh, I guess to, to kick it off, you know, what was life like as a kid growing up in the Valley? Yeah, life was nice. I mean, no complaints. I grew up uh, literally five minutes from where we are right now, Northridge. Um, and uh, I was just a normal, regular kid, you know. Um, I grew up with my mom and uh, I grew up in a cul-de-sac, and I had, at one point, a friend in each house on the cul-de-sac. So it was just like a group of kids would be out in the cul-de-sac playing baseball or whatever, like just whatever kind of little sport we were in at mm-hmm. that time. I was always active, super energetic, um, had to be moving, playing a sport or doing some type of movement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was always outside and, uh, you know, into all different things, always had a new hobby, new interest, and then... One one time, uh, uh, I came across a skateboard, and it never stopped. You know, how'd you come across that skateboard? Um, I went when I went to seventh grade. I went to Holmes Junior High mm-hmm. here, and um, I I went to school. It was close to my house, so I just walked to school in the mornings, and and then I, when I was walking home in the afternoons after school, there was always this group of kids skating in the parking lot, and I would like on my way to walk home, I would kind of stop by every day, like stand kind of like on the outskirts and kind of watch for like five, 10 minutes. It just fascinated me. I, I was like, man, how do they keep the board to their feet? How do they do that? Yeah. They jump and like it sticks to their feet and it flips and they land on. It was just like, I was like, wow, like I have to know how this is mm-hmm. done. I have to learn this. Like, yeah. And so. Uh, oh, it was like early 90s, right? Like mid No, this is late 1996. Okay. So mid 90s. Yeah. yeah. And. um it, it was just fascinating. So eventually, after a couple months of this, I worked up the nerve to kind of like start talking to some of the guys. Like, hey, how you doing? Like, that's cool. Like, can I check out your skateboard or whatnot? And uh, yeah, they were cool. Let me kind of test it out. And from there, I was like, all right, I got to start skating. And that was kind of the beginning. And, and what was like skateboard culture like back then? Because um, mm-hmm. I was born in the early 90s. And I remember like when I was like kind of of mm-hmm. age to like, you know, even just like know about skateboarding mm-hmm. and what was going on. Like it was... 
it was just kind of becoming like we, yeah. with video games obviously becoming so big and all that stuff. Right. Like, so I guess from your perspective back then, like, yeah, what was that right like? at that time was just before it kind of blew up even bigger before the video game kind of era. It was like it was still very, and even now it's relatively still small, yeah. you know, compared to other things. But um, it was still it was really small then. Um, it was in the era I grew up like hanging out at the skate shop Valley Skate and Surf, which was mm-hmm. close by my house, and I would go in there every day. And it was kind of like the culture where you hung out in the skate shop, you watch videos all day. You know, the guys behind the counter, you would bug them all day asking them if you could see different products or different boards or this or that, ask them questions, but never buy anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was it was just a real tight knit, kind of small I I I, I wanna say still underground kind of mm-hmm. thing at that point. Um, and to me it was so magical. Everything about it was just so like, Oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. I can't mm-hmm. believe it. From like the tricks that would people would do to like all the equipment involved, like the boards, the grip tape, the wheels, the print, everything was so fascinating to me. Like uh, all the clothes, ooh, the skate clothes. What skate brands are there? Like it was just everything about it was just oh my god! Like, but were you skating at the time? This. Had you started? Um, yeah, I just started. So like once I really just started, uh, once I delved into it, it just became obsessive, and it became my whole life, and mm-hmm. everything I thought about or looked at did. Like I stopped. I went from like just being a normal kid watching regular TV like The Simpsons or whatever it is I was watching all the time to like I didn't even watch TV anymore. I would just only watch skate videos. So when yeah. I was watching TV, it was just videos only, mm-hmm. videos, 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 and just studying them and then reading every magazine I could find, skate magazine, just just falling in love with it. But that era was was like to me. I think everybody growing up they have their personal golden era, but to me that was the golden era where like mm-hmm. that era. Of, skaters pro skaters were really like responsible from taking skateboarding from like um kind of ramp skating backyard Mm -hmm. pool skating to like really starting to get street skating Mm -hmm. to be the most popular thing yeah um so it was kind of like a transition phase so i came into it as street skateboarding was just exploding yeah so you're obviously like super just from the get-go super passionate about it and yeah. just kind of obsessed like you said mm-hmm. how did you like learn because i know i remember when i was like trying to learn skateboarding like as soon as it got to the point where i had to like do a kickflip or something i was like i checked out so yeah, yeah, yeah. how did you like learn how did you kind of keep getting better initially when you first get yeah started? yeah um well um i had a friend who i who i became close with in junior high actually just before we got into skating so when i first uh went to junior high i was like really into playing guitar i wanted to yeah. be in a band and you know like have my own band and everything do you Which still explains play? the two guitars I, yeah, behind you i can still you know play a couple chords and all that but i'm not like anything yeah. incredible but um so i met this kid he he looked kind of similar to me just like me his name was sammy and he happened to play guitar also it was like whoa dude we're like same kind of same kind of dude. Yeah. And so we started hanging out originally just jamming on our guitars. I would go over his house and play. And then like um, I started getting into the skating and, and he went to that school the year before me. So he already knew all those skaters. He knew them. And um, and so I, I you know, tell him like, oh, yeah, I talked to this dude, whatever. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm like, whatever, you know, that's kind of cool. And then so we both kind of just started getting interesting and skateboarding together and slowly but surely, like skateboarding kind of took over, and then little by little, the guitar was like getting less and less played and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, 
And so him and I started together, and I totally just forgot what I'm even answering right now. What what was even the question? Oh, kind of just like how you kind of got your start, like learning how to skateboard. Okay, gotcha. So him and I would skate together every day, and he was actually a faster learner than I was. He was was learning quicker. And so early on, he had an older cousin um, who, I'm sorry, we had another friend, Nikki, who he knew, had an older cousin, maybe 10 years older than us had skated before in like the late 80s and stuff and he had some skate videos yeah and he showed us like you guys ever seen a skate video no so he would show us the skate videos and um we were just well we would just see the tricks on the screen then we would go out and pick a trick that we saw and try to learn it you know yeah usually it was like a kick flip or like a flat ground trick mm-hmm. you know and at first we didn't really have any guidance we would just watch the video go out and try it and then once we really started hanging out at the skate shop a lot uh, we would be bugging the guys behind the counter like, hey, how do you do this trick? How do you do that? And they would you know, be patient with us and kind of explain it to us, and we would go outside in front of the shop and try it over and over and over and over until eventually we figured it out. But it was just a lot of trial and error. There was no like one way to learn. It was just we tried every way possible, like from watching videos or magazines um, to actually – if we were lucky enough to come across a skater who was better than us, you yeah. know, pick his brain and ask him how he does it. And um, I feel like it's one of those things where you have to be like super determined to like learn it. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. it's like freaking hard. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah. And it, especially because at that point there wasn't really like, uh, you know, there wasn't YouTube or anything like that. So you, you, barely anybody had any websites or anything like that. And I didn't even use a computer back then. Yeah. Still pretty much don't. But <laughs> I, I like there was no videos or tutorials you can just look up. It was just like you had to like go out and physically, hey, how how are you doing that? Like uh, I'm trying to learn this. How, what mm-hmm. am I doing wrong? Or you got any advice? It was just literally that yeah. trial know? by error sort of thing. trial by error and just it being immersed in it. Like any time like that that skate shop Valley Skate and Surf we, to us it was the biggest thing ever. But like they would have their own little skate team and every year they would have like tryouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were like, let's go to the tryout. Let's try out. Let's try out. And a lot of time, the the first year we went, um, we didn't try out. My friend Sammy and I, we were too like we didn't really know anything. But we went and we would just watch all these skaters who like were doing tricks that we had never seen done in person, only on like videos or something. Mm-hmm. Whoa, these are these dudes are incredible! How, oh my god, they're so good. And um, uh, so I would just watch and then eventually talk to one of those guys and pick him up. One kid actually went to our school and he was so good. And uh, he quit shortly after that. Once we got really into it, he was like over it. And he was so good. I always wondered like, man, I wonder why he didn't keep up with it. He could have really gone somewhere. But, you know, when you're a kid, you don't know better. Paul, at what point did you realize that this was going to be more than more than a hobby and that you know you can do this on a professional level whatever that meant to you Mm -hmm. you really early once i once i found out that there was professional skateboarders that's when i was like all right well that's what i want to be who were were Uh, some of the pros back then was it like i mean tony hawk obviously and those guys yeah but like the pros that i first got introduced to were like guys who were even yeah of of a generation before it was like the h street video i first saw and the the first person i remember um, really liking their skating was this guy named Kin Lu, and they called him Donger. He was a he's an Asian guy, super long hair, ponytail, and 
he just had the highest ollies I had ever seen. Yeah. I couldn't believe somebody could jump that high. Yeah. And I didn't understand the technicalities of skateboarding yet, but I understood like, wow, you can jump high. Yeah. So like he was my first favorite skater. Mm-hmm. And then once I, you know, learned more, saw new videos, then all of a sudden I got introduced to Eric Costin and mm-hmm. Andrew Reynolds and Ronnie Krieger, Daywon Song, the whole world industry kind of team and the mm-hmm. girl and chocolate team. And uh, once I saw those videos, then it was like really on and popping. Then I was really like, oh, yeah, I got to be one of these guys. And those are like all the names I recognize from, what was that, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, yeah. like Nintendo 64 yeah. Yeah, yeah, game. Yeah, all those yeah, guys of that, that era. Yeah, Kareem Campbell, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, Eric Costin, Andrew Reynolds, Daywan, mm-hmm. Rodney Mullen, of course, Tony. Mm-hmm. Um and the list Were you ever on. in one of those games at one point? Yeah, yeah, I was. I was in. I was in. I probably uh, played with you a too, couple. No. A couple Tony Hawk games. I was yeah. fortunate enough <laughs> was to it make underground? it. Underground was that one of them? I think so. Yeah, yeah. underground. I forget I what even. That. I think it was like after three. Yeah. And then, then I was in a few from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been a while though since yeah. uh, I've been in a video game. I don't really have them out no more. <laughs> yeah. So I know from that time when you first like picked up a skateboard, like it was shortly after when you kind of just like I mean decided like I'm going to go pro like you know those couple years. Mm-hmm. And I think you were in high school at the time, right? Yeah. Did you left high school to become yeah, pro? Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about I yeah. Tell us about out. the vision. <laughs> tell us about the opportunity you saw back then. Yeah. Like I mean, obviously skateboarding was becoming bigger, and you know, what, man, what did you see? I, I really, I really. Um, miss having that kind of innocent naiveness that I had back then. You know, early on, it was all like a big dream. There was never any doubts or insecurities because I didn't, hadn't have, had enough life experience yeah, you to, didn't know. to form You didn't any, know what you didn't know. Yeah, exactly. I hadn't, I hadn't formed any doubts or insecurities yet because it was just, everything was just, you know, just fun. Yeah. And um, so. Rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. So I get to junior, I mean, I get to high school, and at this point, I'm skating like two years, and um, getting, I'm getting good, you know, I'm starting to get like, just in the local little area, like at the, between the little skate shops, uh, a little buzz about my name or whatever, um, but like I said, from when I first found out there was pro skaters, that immediately... I was always a big dreamer. Like when I was playing guitar, I wanted to be in mm-hmm. the band. I was like, I want to be like Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought about like I want to be the top of the top, right. or whatever it is. So what made you? What made you have that mentality? I don't know, man. I don't. I think I. You know, I spent a lot of time by myself growing up. I, I'm, I you know, I have a half sister, but she grew up with her father, mm-hmm. and um, so I grew up with my mom. So it was just you know, I was the only kid in the house, right. and um. I spent a lot of time just watching movies and whatever. So like early on, you know, I watched Bruce Lee movies. I want to be like that guy. He's my hero. And especially that young era, Michael Jordan was still the man he was playing. I want to be like Michael Jordan. I love Michael Jordan. So I always had these big heroes that I was always like, I want to be like that guy. Mm -hmm. Even if I didn't play basketball, something about Michael Jordan, I still was like, he made me feel like I wanted to be great at something. Same thing with Bruce Lee. He knew he was good. Like he just watched TV and he He, had that swagger. He was just basketball. You know, he was bigger than the sport. Same with like Bruce Lee, you know. So Mm -hmm. I always like grew up having these heroes and like looking up to them and they always made me want to be like great at something, whatever Mm -hmm. it was, you know. And so every time I fell into a hobby, whoever the – the top guy was, oh, I want to be like him, mm-hmm. you know. So same thing when I got to skateboarding, who who are the top guys? Once I kind of figured that out, mm-hmm. boom, here's what I'm aiming for. So I was immediately just already thinking like, okay, I started skateboarding. Oh, there's pro skateboarders who's the best? Boom. Okay, that's what I'm going to do. 
just like the process I had been to through a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I think that's where it came from is because yep. I never physically lived in the house with my father. You know, I never had that. I never had an older brother like a, in person to like say like, oh, okay, I want to do what he's doing or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. So I just kind of found my own way through TV and whatever I had came across that mm-hmm. kind of picked up my interest and i think it goes back to what you said like you know the fact that you didn't know and you had really you know no blueprint in front mm-hmm. of you gives you that opportunity to just create your yeah. own blueprint right there was no doubt it was just like oh yeah. pro skater i'm gonna be a pro skater right yeah and then i just was so in love with that i emerged it where i was skating endless hours every day right. endless hours like right. you know you're 11 12 years old your body doesn't get tired it was yeah. just all day every single day and you know my mom used to have to like basically drag me inside just to yeah just come in and eat dinner because i didn't want to stop skating i didn't want to be interrupted and on the weekends it was all day every day you know it was just it became like sick you know it became like a sickness Mm -hmm. and um and so i just started by the time i got to high school i was starting to get really good because i was just non-stop and by that time i got sponsored by a different skate shop called 118 and that was where like whoa these dudes are like the skaters who rode for them were like potentially going to be pros one day, you know? Yeah. So like once we heard about that skate show, I was like, we got to go link up with them, you know? And sorry to go out, but did LA have like the biggest skateboard scene back then or was it kind of just like one of the um, hubs? Yeah, I would say between LA, San Diego and San Francisco was like, that That was like the skate scene. But in my opinion, LA was like, the one everybody really and you're wanted unbiased to get to. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, a lot of folks are from. from yeah, here. so I, I was very lucky to be born kind of around this whole culture for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I by the time I got to high school, it was just like, yep, I'm gonna do this. By that time, I'm already decided. Like, yep, I'm I'm filming a, a sponsor me video. I'm trying to get it in the hands of, you know, somebody to sponsor me. I had met a friend who. Um, who is still my friend to this day, uh, Nigel Alexander. He was the first friend I met with like a real proper camera and he could drive. Yeah. So now uh, we could skate like outside of our yeah. area. Yeah. He took me to El Camino High School mm-hmm. and it was like my first time going there. And I, I'd seen this school in videos. I didn't know it was in the valley. And it was just like a playland of ledges and everything. So we went there. This was like November 1998. Yeah. and um, 20 years ago. Yeah, 20 years ago. Exactly. Yeah, next month. Or in a month or two. Mm-hmm. And um, once he took me there, it was just like, oh, my God. And he would film me all the time. And he knew how to edit. Mm-hmm. So it was just every day, skating, filming, skating, filming. And by the next thing I know, I had, you know, five minutes of footage. And he worked at the skate shop. Or, sorry, he didn't work at the skate. He rode for the skate shop. And so we would go into the skate shop, give the tape to the skate shop. And the skate shop had access to the companies because the sales reps would come into the store. And back then, that's how it would work. Like the sales reps would come in and like the skate shop, uh, the guys who would manage or work at the skate shop would be like, hey, you know, we have these these skaters here. their footage tape. Take a look at it, guys. So that's kind of how it happened. And then another friend of mine, Steve Venasco, uh, he rode for um, this company called Status. Mm-hmm. He was like the first one to like go am out of that crew. Mm-hmm. So, you know, gave him a video like, hey, man, would you mind bringing this into the company? And next thing you know, they had a sister company called DNA Skateboards. And they gave me a call back, said, hey, we want you on the team. And oh, my gosh. And you're like, what, 19, 20 years old at this time? No, I'm Younger, 13. Wow. Right? You know, at this time, I'm 13, 14 at this time. And um, 
Yeah, so that summer of 99, so I was 14, I got sponsored by DNA Skateboards, and this is the first time I ever got anything for free, free skateboards, and I was like, in my mind, I was rich. I was like, it's like I had just been yeah. given a million dollars. It was like, oh my God, free skateboards, free yeah. t-shirts and stickers, like, ah. And then I got a little sponsorship with DVS Shoes. They started giving me like two or three pairs a month, and I was like, oh, this is it. And so this at this point... I'm in going summer going into ninth grade. Okay. So when I start going to Birmingham High School, and I'm like, in my mind, I'm already as good as I'm going pro. This is already going to happen, guaranteed. And uh, so I, as soon as I get to ninth grade, that's when I start bugging my mom. Mom, can I do homeschool? Can I do homeschool? Yeah. No, 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 no. Please let me do homeschool. Please, 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 please. I really want to do homeschool. Uh, you know, like, look, I'm already getting sponsored. If I don't have to go to school, I can spend more time skating. I can become pro faster, blah, blah, blah. I'm, like, doing everything. She holds out a whole school year. No, 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 no. So by the time I go to 10th grade, early in 10th grade, I'm, like, finally having ads coming out in magazines and, like, yeah. starting to get a little little buzz. Like, in my mind, it's, like, huge, you know, but yeah. in the real reality right, of the world, it's just a little yeah. something. And I was like, see, mom, it's happening. Look, I'm in a magazine, this and that. Like, please, please, please. So finally, I just kept bugging her that whole from ninth grade over the summer in between ninth and 10th grade, early into 10th grade. Finally, I wore her down. She's like, okay, we'll get you homes- homeschooling. And so I, I signed up for homeschooling maybe like school starts in September. So probably yeah. like after the Christmas break uh, in 10th grade, I finally wore down, got homeschooling. And then, then it really... It was like I was telling her, it was it was on after that, like all day, every day, skate, 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 skate. No, you never got sick of it. Never, 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 never. Um, especially back then, my body didn't get sore, didn't yeah. get tired. It was just all day, every day. Never, ever got sick of it. Obviously, you said you had a lot of friends around you that were skating at the time. Uh, I'm not sure if they got the same type of recognition that you did. Why do you think that was? Was it because you were so obsessed and determined to like be bigger? I think than so. What, I know. think the difference looking back on it now is like in my mind, I could actually see the vision. I could see the path to success. I could see like I can become a pro. I, I know I can because I wasn't the most like. Early on, I wasn't the guy that they were like, oh, he's going to be something. Yeah. I was just regular. You know, I wouldn't say I was like, oh, he's never going to make it. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, just whatever. I'm just middle of the road. Mm-hmm. And I had other friends who were showing more talent, more promise early on. But I don't think they ever thought about this past just being a kid. I'm a kid. This is what kids do. In my mind, I see the pros. There's people doing that. Then that's what I'm going to do because I love this too much. I don't, I don't ever want to have to stop. So, like, my friend Sammy, who I grew up skating with, I remember he would always say, it's like, yeah, I'll probably just skate for a couple years. And then once we go to high school, then just probably not skate anymore. Like, um, because once we went to high school, we went to different high schools, and then him and I didn't really talk much and fell fell off. And uh, I just kept skating, and he he stopped. And um, I've linked up with a new group of skaters at at the new skate shop that I was skating for, and they were more serious about it, and they knew 
Some of them were friends with other pro skateboarders, so I got to get introduced to pro skate. So I got to see actual in-person pro skateboarders, and they would have these demos in the parking lot where they would invite pro skaters to come out. They would set up ramps, and they would skate, so I got to go and watch these demos. Yeah. And that just Every time I got a little closer or, or got somewhat of a connection or got to see it even closer in my face, it became more powerful mm-hmm. to me, more of a reality. Like, oh, this can happen. It's right here. I can touch it. I'm going to do it. And I would go home. I would practice my tricks, new tricks, new tricks every day, trying to learn, trying to learn. And uh, and little by little, man, you know, I just got better and better, little by little. Um, but in the scope of it, it was happening fast because – you know, by the time I turned pro, I'd only been skating five years, yeah. which at that time between 12 and 17, it seems like a lifetime. Yeah. But now we all know five years ago, mm-hmm. oh, that was the other day, you know, so. And sorry, what was your, what was your definition of like becoming like better? Was it, I know obviously with skateboarding, it's like the longer you can stay on the board and do cool tricks, it's like, right. know, obviously you're good. But what, how, how did you measure that um, type of success? By like, um. Uh, you know, I would always be filming, right? So, like, yeah. I'd always have a little sponsor me tape ready to go, a little footage ready to go, and you would just see the progression in the footage over, you know, month over month. you getting better and getting better. My, You know, I was super small kid. I, it took me a while to grow, um, but I... I was a super small kid, so early on, you know, I had a really little kid style, and I was, like, struggling and, like, trying to flip this board around, and little by little, my legs got a little stronger. I got a little more pop. I was able to jump a little higher. My style was getting better, Um, like, um, and skateboarding style is really important. Not, like, your clothing style, that too, but, like, your actual form, the way you look on the Mm -hmm. board, the way your body moves. So, like, I was looking more graceful. I I was not as, like, choppy. And, uh, you know, little by little, those like, and I was very lucky because Nigel was the one who, who explained to me style. Mm-hmm. He's like, it doesn't matter. You could do all the hardest tricks in mm-hmm. the world, but if it looks terrible, right. no one's going to care. You know, that's it's all the about thing like of, the aesthetic and the art of it. Mm-hmm. In right. skateboarding, like even now to this day, even more so like you don't have to be the most skillful, advanced person. If you can just make even simple, basic tricks look very smooth and effortless and graceful, uh, you're likely to have a career, you know? And so... And that's true, I think, and sorry to cut you off, but no. I think that's true in a lot of things. I mean, yeah. for example, even in business, like take the Apple phone, for example, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't call it the most complex mm-hmm. phone that there is, there is, mm-hmm. but they've just done it simpler, easier, better, and, and it works. People want yeah. that. People yeah. don't want complexity. They want something that's going to be making their lives easier. Right. You know, in this case of skateboarding or an art something that's going to make it more entertaining and more graceful right. for them for right. their you know for their pleasure really. and relatable yeah even i know i notice like right now in skateboarding like some of the most popular skateboarding there is right now is some of the most as far as skill wise is some of the most kind of like basic right i wouldn't say fully basic but like you know not not the hardest stuff out there but it's just like the people who are becoming popular are the people who just make it look really good, yeah. really graceful, and really effortless because that in and of itself is extremely hard to do. Right. So like when you can make something really hard look very easy and graceful, people are like, are mind boggled by it, you know? Mm-hmm. But like when you do a really hard, super technical mm-hmm. flip in, flip out trick and you make it look hard, people are just like, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just like, it's not, not appealing. Mm-hmm. Um. So... Nigel really taught me early on, like, hey, man, it's good to know hard tricks, good to have technical tricks, but if they look bad, yeah. it doesn't matter. 
Mm-hmm. So early on, I was like, because I had a real funny little style, I was short. So like, I had to bend over, and I was using my back, so my butt would stick out all far every time I'd bend over. And he was like, "Dude, you gotta watch that, bro." Like, I was like, "But I just, I, if I don't do that, I can't jump." Like, yeah. So little by little, as I got stronger, you know, that I worked that little problem out, and um, you know, focused on like, okay, making tricks smooth and nice and, and mastering the trick before you move on not just oh i landed it one time now it's going to the next one you know really mm-hmm. really you know and he would point me out to like watch this skater this is a good skater to watch study them blah 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 and uh that's kind of how i marked getting better like how my style would improve and you know my consistency in my tricks and my choice of tricks and uh put it all together in some footage you know and just little by little it just and a lot of those problems kind of work themselves out just by spending time on the board naturally they just kind of work themselves out mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and fast forwarding kind of to when you broke into the scene um what was that like in terms of you know your life and how that changed and how you had to kind of get used to now being this professional skateboarder that was competing mm-hmm. and winning all these you know medals and awards mm-hmm. and accolades yeah so you know it's hard to say this without i don't know i don't want to sound you could brag cocky or overconfident but like i had dreamed it and pictured it so much early on that when it finally happened it just felt like that's that's what it's supposed it to felt be right yeah it felt yeah this is what's supposed to be happening um so it's not that like i don't want to say like you know like there was a level of expectation. I just I had believed in myself, you know. I believed that I would get there. So when I finally was living it, it it was it was surreal because it was happening, and it, like finally it was a, a picture in my brain to like real life physically in front of me. But it was also a part of me was like expected it. Like yeah, yeah. this is this is what I, I was supposed to do. This is what Did I it meant feel to. like some sort of like a validation, like all that hard work sort of paid off, or was it more like? It's just part of the journey and like uh, it's not the, you know, it's like, like you said, it's gonna, it's supposed to happen. It'll continue to happen because I love it so much because I'm so dedicated to it. A little bit of both, I would say. Like it, it still is a trip when like something you had in your brain like actually is now in physical reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a trip, that yeah. process, how that happens. So like I would trip out on it, but then another part of me would be like, yeah, man, I knew this would happen. Right. Yeah, like the hard work, like that's why as a kid I was so obsessed because i could see that if i just practiced it's like it's like a math problem like one plus two equals three you know what i mean so if i just practice 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 equals becoming a pro Mm -hmm. so like every day it was like okay one day closer one day closer so the intensity of my skate sessions would just be so ferocious that like i was just determined like it's one day closer every day i would wake up i'm one day closer to being a pro skateboarder one day closer to being a pro skateboarder i remember thinking this and uh and so when it finally happened, yes, it validated, like, yes, I knew that the hard work would get me there. But it also, like I said, man, it was just like, it was yeah. a, a certain time of, type of naive confidence mm-hmm. you have at a young age, like, yeah, man, this is this was supposed to happen. Like, I prayed what every really, day for this, you know? What I'm really curious about is that I think that in this story, one of the, you know, main themes seems to be, like, patience. Like, you were very patient uh, with the process mm-hmm. you know i think that's something that i'm difficult that i have a difficulty with i think a lot of people you know find that difficult because we want this instant success like you know we want to immediately achieve that mm-hmm. goal mm-hmm. you know what kept you so grounded and so patient to getting to that point and just consistently working and right, working and working right. and not getting exhausted well 
I wouldn't say I'm patient, man. I, I like when you yeah. said like just now, even you, you get that feeling. I get that still to this day, dude. Yeah. I like, I wasn't patient. That's why I was working so ferociously because I wanted I to wanted hurry it, up yeah. and happen. You know, yeah. I wasn't patient at all, but what kept me working on it is because it just, I fucking loved it. I didn't want to do anything else. There was no other thing in the world that I would rather be spending my time doing. It was just that in love. Like anytime my mom would be like, hey, you know, don't forget next weekend it's grandma's birthday. We're going to go to her house. So I'd be so pissed off. I remember screaming at her, mom, I don't want to go to grandma's birthday. <laughs> I love grandma, but I want to go skate. Like all my friends are going to be skating. I'd get yeah. so jealous, have so yeah. much FOMO of like of my friends when they would be skating and I would have to miss a session. And um, whatever it was, like a Christmas uh, holiday, oh, we're going over so-and-so's house for Christmas or this or that or family get together. It was just like the world had ended for me. I would throw temper tantrums. I don't want to go on a skate. Like, it was so annoying to get interrupted yeah. from skating. Which is kind of hard to imagine because you're such a laid-back dude. Like, just Oh, kinda, thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's hard to... <laughs> like, I, no, I'm curious, like, when, it, when you kind of get into, like, I mean, obviously, you know, skateboarding uh -huh. um, is a competitive sport. Like, you know, you want to be the best. So, mm -hmm. um, how, how, like, how would you describe yourself when it comes to, like, you know, being a competitor? It's hard to say. Some people would call me competitive, but I also know people who are way more competitive. So I always look at that, at the people who are more competitive than me or better or whatever. And I always like, not compare myself, but I always well, relate it's that. Relative like, to. It's relative to what? Like somebody, oh, he's super competitive, but then I'll look, now this guy's competitive. And it's just who's like, in your mind, that always who's keeps like me that the bar ultra competitive? Uh, Nija. Nija is super He's super competitive. Um, I think in a good way. Seeing mm -hmm. skateboarding, that's a that's a, a touchy subject. Mm -hmm. Competitive, yeah. nah, man. You do it for the love. It's not about the competition. It's not about the wins. Not about this and that. Which I agree as well. But when when you're in a competition, it's okay to want to win, in yeah. my opinion. And this dude wants to win more than anybody most of the time, and I really admire that. You know, he had that built into him where. I didn't grow up in an era where that was built into me. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the era of like, I'm just competing with myself. Like right. I'm trying to be better today than I was yesterday, every mm -hmm. single day. So um, I guess there is a level of competitiveness, but I think that actually developed later on once I started competition skating. But it was more so like I just could see the vision. I could see it. I could taste it. I could feel it every night. I dreamed about it every day. I thought about it. So it was just like when I was at school – all day long, I'm thinking about like where I'm going to skate after school, what trick I'm going to try and learn. Huh? All day long, I'd be thinking about that. And, and my school was terrible. I was My grades were horrible. Yeah. I completely just forfeited school, basically, because I just knew I'm going to be a pro skater. I don't mm -hmm. need this shit. That's yeah. what my thought process was. Yeah. Don't think like that, kids, because that wasn't <laughs> smart. I, I definitely was lucky and blessed that it worked right. out, you know. But uh, but also goes to say like when you know you know like you like it right. sounds like the more I mean the more we're talking it just sounds like you had this realization mm -hmm. that a lot of people like in business or just in life have that it's like when you're onto the right thing whether mm -hmm. it's an idea exactly. whether it's a skill it's like I'm just gonna like why waste my time exactly. trying to figure something else out and yeah. do what everyone I'm yeah. supposed to be doing quote unquote right right, right? I was like, so you know young and so lucky and my vision was crystal clear yeah. I could see it. As clear as day, I could, like I said, I could taste it. Every bit about it, I just was compelled and felt it. Yeah. I was 
one trillion percent committed yeah. to the whole process. You just put in the work. It was just a matter yeah. of time until you got to. Yeah, to and it was just natural for me. It was just felt natural to be like that. Um, and I think that's yeah. what separates the greats from the not so greats is that they they see it. You, you, know, you got to envision it. I mean, mm-hmm. even if you know, I know it's arrogant. I know it's cocky to you know say it at the end. Oh yeah, we already saw it coming because that's what we expected. But I think you have to see it and then you have to just put in the work every single day, which is where people fail. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're not smarter. It's not that they don't, yeah. you know, see it. Or I think it's something that uh, there's a book by Angela Duckworth called Grit. And she mm-hmm. talks about this, that it's two things, it's passion and purpose. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the combination of the two is it's it's really grit that makes people successful, not really anything else. It's just that motivation, that passion to keep going and towards that goal, that yeah. purpose of like, yeah. that's what I want to achieve, whether it's in life, relationships, business, whatever it may be, you got to have those two things if you really want to achieve what you want to achieve. A hundred percent. And it sounds like grit was like literally is what describes you and what you had done. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say now being a grown up and being able to yeah. articulate that, yeah. 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 But at that time, I didn't know any of this stuff, you yeah. know, I... Only when I got a little older, and even after I had dropped out of school, because I didn't even finish high school because of home studies. Like I dropped out of home studies. Yeah, you that know? was your like you knew you were gonna drop out. You just once I turned to, like, professional and yeah. I lived on my own and was paying my own bills. Yeah. I had it hadn't. I was only seventeen at that time, and I was still like in homeschooling, but failing out. And I just said, "Sorry, mom. Like I'm paying my own bills and paying my way. Sorry." I'm but did you for, like ever like think like what if this? Doesn't not even one second, not even one tiny second, which is insane to me to think now because now as an adult, unfortunately, I have lived enough life to now I understand. I've looked back on my path, like, damn, I'm so lucky. Like, I had never, I didn't have an injury to stop me from that getting to that point, or I didn't have, I I had so many friends who all kind of had a similar trajectory and similar kind of momentum going into this pro skateboarding that fell on the wayside one one stumbling block after another whether it been uh you know getting to an age where you like getting super into girls and partying and then you completely lose focus or you getting uh you know getting pressure from family friends or girlfriends like why are you doing that go get a job get a real thing do this that or um um injuries or just whatever life even drugs, you know, some people, you know, fell yeah. off the wayside. How did you block that noise? I didn't have to block it. I was so in love with skateboarding. Skateboarding yeah. just blocked it. It didn't, it, none of that shit existed to me. It didn't even touch my radar. You, mean you were like tunnel vision. Yeah. And it, I'm so lucky. It just was natural to me to be that way. I didn't, I was like, I was getting such a high off of skateboarding that like it didn't appeal to me to do any of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like it didn't appeal to me to like, um, be interrupted it was a mission in my heart in my mind this was a life mission it was like if if i was a navy seal and i was given yeah. a mission to go you know capture osama bin laden like it was that important to me yeah like must complete the mission and um i didn't and i'm very lucky that that just came out of the natural just i was that in love with skateboarding that's just natural to me you know yeah um, whereas now being an adult, I'm in this weird phase where I'm like, okay, I have to start looking at what the next chapter of my life is. And I, for the first time in my life, I feel confused sometimes, you know, like confused or like, I don't know what to do, or is this where I want to be? Where's my passion at? Mm-hmm. And actually right now I'm, I have an injury. It's the worst injury I've ever had in my life, which 
I don't know if you guys even already knew, but like you might not notice because you see me walking around, but three months ago I tore my ACL, my meniscus, and my MCL in my leg. And um, so I have to get surgery next month and get it all replaced. And, and uh, I'm going to be out for probably another six to eight months mm-hmm. after surgery. So it's like by the time I get back skating, it'll be almost a full year of like mm-hmm. not having skated. And that's the first time in my life I ever had this wow problem any serious injury and it's like it's driving me nuts it's making me confused it's a mental thing it's like i don't know what to do am i gonna come back plus mari at this point in my career like am i even gonna is it even worth it coming back at that point like you know am i gonna be able to contribute anything new to what i've already done to skateboarding Mm -hmm. am i not gonna be able to well you know who that story reminds me of right no kobe had the same yeah 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 he had the he had had that same mentality of like you know he was that competitive, great person that, you know, was like, what do I do? I remember that interview right. when he gave it, when he was just like literally about to just be in tears crying. Yeah. Like, oh. I don't know. Because I think you know how great you are, right? Like You know that you've reached like pinnacle, like just greatness. And then when you see something that is really not in your control and you don't know what to do and you can't imagine the future, you're like, what the fuck is going to happen? Right. You know? It's the first time in my life I'm not necessarily clear on the future. Where, you yeah. know, my whole time skateboarding, it was always clear. This is what I'm meant to do. I never thought about after skateboarding. You know, yeah. you're yeah. 16 years old. You're not thinking about, you know, being in your 30s. You're like, that yeah. shit's an eternity away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But it's like near death. Next thing you know, it's, 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 <laughs> next thing you know, it's a blink of an eye. Yep. Um, so I had to, um, I have to, like, get my, get my mind right. I'm here. I can't skate for months and months and months. And, um... Yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. But now I'm facing, for me, the biggest obstacle of my career. And I'm thinking like, well, you know, by the time I can skate, I'm going to be 34 years old. Before I got injured, just a few three months ago, I was skating great. I was having a great time. I just came back from Europe, got a bunch of great footage, was feeling really good. My body feels good. So I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm 33, I should be winding down Mm -hmm. but i was feeling great and i still do feel great i'm Mm -hmm. still taking care of myself i'm doing rehab extra crazy Mm -hmm. i'm working out more often just to keep my body ready to go so i guess we'll have to see but it's just such a while away from now you know what i would love to see is like like talk about footage he's about to give you some advice oh no i mean you might talk about footage (laughs) like i would love for you to like document this like i don't know if this is something that you're doing oh i have like i mean you're gonna like obviously you're a young dude, man. Like, you're going to come back and mm-hmm. you're going to come back strong. So, like, just to see that is going to be really cool. Like, if you go on my YouTube channel, P-Rod Vids, um, P-R-O-D-V-I-D-S. <laughs> Love it. Um, I have a two – right now there's only two parts on it, but it's called The Road to Recovery. Amazing. So, okay. it was the first – the first one was, like, right after it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the progression, you know. Every month or so I'm planning on putting one out and just mm-hmm. show the progression all the way till I get – better is mm-hmm. the is the idea perhaps even like shooting content around other athletes that have gone through this i think and seeing the i think for you on a personal level it might you know help out in terms of your mentality and mm-hmm. you know you being more um at peace with just the situation but at the same time also kind of humanizing athletes to the just public that look even uh, even we, even us, we go through the same things yeah. that other people go through. Mm-hmm. And just because we've achieved this level of success doesn't mean that it's going to stay here forever. Like we have to continue yeah. elevating ourselves. Like I you know, see a lot of people fall fall to that. It's like, yeah. 
they get they get into success and in their mind this become is, comfortable. This is la- lasting forever yep they yeah. don't think about the next guy you know mm-hmm. salivating yep. over their spot you yep. know what i mean mm-hmm. it's a it's a pitfall i've seen a lot of friends skateboarding's a hard uh career to have longevity in mm-hmm. because there's a lot of pitfalls like mm-hmm. once you make it in you i've seen so many guys once they turn pro they just get lazy and they fall off two three years later mm-hmm. they don't have a career mm-hmm. anymore mm-hmm. Uh, i've seen so many guys you know get in fall to the party scene two three years later they're gone uh or get injured mm-hmm. and mentally that messes them up and they yeah. never come back strong so many reasons why so you have to have the mind. And I remember being lucky always uh, when I was younger, always thinking like I want to have a long career. Because, you know, Eric Costin and Andrew Reynolds were my like example of like what a perfect pro skateboarding career looks like. And by the time I became pro, they had already been pro for at least 10 years. So I'm yeah. like, man, like I've seen so many other pros come and go and they've always been here. So I was always had them to look at like, all right, Michael, I want to always be here. I want. I don't want to just make it to pro skater level. I want to make it to greatness level and, and sustain. And part mm-hmm. of greatness is longevity, you know? The longer you are, the, the, the more consistently you perform at a high level for a long period of time, the, the stronger your legacy becomes, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I, I remember having that and wanting to go for that. It's also, I think, this thing about, especially in this day and age, like being the brand, like, you know, you yourself, you know, I think all the greats, when we look at them across different sports, even across business, like, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, these individuals, although it took a team to get there in skateboarding, perhaps much differently because you're on the skateboard yourself, but in all these other ventures, you know, the greats are really like the brands, like, you know, you recognize them, you know, just by names and you know them. And speaking of brand, I mean, you started Primitive, and I would love to talk about you know yeah, how absolutely. that started. Sure. And I see this guy Pat wearing you know his Primitive hat all the time. I got some of this stuff. He has like gear. seven of them, uh, just <laughs> like looks. it's just lined up. Um, but how did that? How did that begin? Yeah. So um, it's crazy when it, when I look back at like the last twenty years and just think all the different like little like how ways things have branched off um, because. You know, part of dreaming about wanting to be one of the greatest is like, I I wanted to become a businessman. I wanted to, um, I, I didn't know how to articulate it at the time, but I wanted to be in control of my own destiny and not be at the whim of, hey, you're hot right now, but then the next guy comes and now sponsors, we don't need you because we're on to the next guy. You want to be relevant. Yeah, but not only relevant. Even when I when I'm not relevant, I want to still. Yeah, uh, I don't want to have to alter my lifestyle right. because because I'm not making money skateboarding. Mm-hmm. So I I want to always and also I always want to have an attachment to skateboarding, even when I'm not the physical skater. You kind of live vicariously through the. Yeah, the I just right. I don't want to spend. It's been over 20 years now, going on 22 years. I've been skateboarding and in the skateboarding industry. I don't want to just retire from pro skateboarding and then have no connection to skateboarding. Like I'm retired, okay. Now I have no, now I don't have anything to do with it. Like mm-hmm. done. So like primitive, I'm looking at it as like this is my way to always be a part of skateboarding, to contribute to skateboarding, to to help up and coming skateboarders to begin their careers, to help, you know, be a part of influencing the skate culture in a way, you know? Um to me that's really exciting. It's an exciting feeling and um what's the story behind the name 
nothing, nothing too crazy. A friend of mine, my partner, who who we started this brand with, uh, Andy Netkin. He was also one of the guys who used to work at the skate shop, um, one eighteen, mm-hmm. the the good skate shop, you know. <laughs> so I'd known him for a long time, and once I got signed to Nike. Um, he hit me up and he was like, Hey man, I think we should do a sneaker store. I think it's a great idea. He was the one who managed the skate shop. So he had always worked in retail and managed, uh, stores, but his dream was always to own his own store. And he was a sneakerhead guy. And then of course me being with Nike, it was like the light bulb went off in his head. Like, yo, let's do this. And he had brought out, no, he's like, uh, maybe four or five years older than me. So he had brought out notes, notepads that he had since high school that he would write down ideas of like, one day I want to have a shop and here's what my plans are. And um, he had a list, even names of stuff that he wanted to name the shop. And Primitive happened to be one of those names. And then so for, as months went on, when we were talking about like, what are we going to name it? What are we going to name it? What are we going to name it? Um, we would, We had hundreds of names that we were potentially looking at, but we always kept coming back to Primitive for whatever reason. It just sounded right to us felt right to us mm-hmm. and then we we ended up choosing it after a while it just was the one name that kept kept coming back and so we chose it and um it's so hard to name a company actually people don't even think about that so, it's like the hardest thing pat is our chief naming officer uh-huh. uh, any venture that we've ever started he's, uh-huh. he, he names it like the founder hour he literally came up with that's it. great it's fun it's great it's a creative process it's just <laughs> it is. kind of just sit but down it, it is tough yeah because yeah. like you 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 have nothing to go off so you're just second guessing yourself like uh, blah blah blah, and you're like, yeah, that sounds cool. And then by tomorrow, you could be like, eh, you find like know. every reason why it's not good. Yeah, and then you try to like jump. And then you the go on uh, like GoDaddy, and you're like, oh, can't can't name it that because they don't have the domain. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, even now, oh my god, yeah. Instagram so. handles and domain yeah. names. So it's, it's just yeah, it's it's super different. Naming a brand is harder than people would think. Oh and, yeah, and uh, yeah, because you got to get it right. Yeah, absolutely. So I was. I've watched the Nike campaign. I know you mentioned Nike. I've watched mm-hmm. that Nike SB video that you did where there was like a few appearances. I think Kobe was one of them too, mm-hmm. just kind of walking in the back. Yeah. Um, how did that partnership come about? And, you know, mm. what have you learned from that? I mean, there's so many things. I don't even know which direction to even take that. Wait, wh- um, when did it start? Let's start with I that. signed with Nike in 2004. Okay. Uh, I was 19. And this, uh, my friend Nigel, who was the guy who I told you drove me around mm-hmm. first, um, he worked at the skate shop at this point. And he used to drive your friends around, by the way. I'm just saying. What's that? Oh, no, I was, I was telling the listeners, it pays oh, yeah. to drive, drive your friends around. <laughs> yeah, 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 it does. <laughs> um, he, uh, at this time, he was now my roommate. I was already professional, well-known skater at this point. We lived together. And he's at work one day, and he and I'm already riding for another skate brand at this point. I already have like samples of a signature shoe that I'm about to launch, you know, in a few months from then. From then, and I'm um, just at home. One morning, he calls me. Hello, yeah. Hey, dude. Uh, there's this guy, uh, Robbie. He's a um, he's a uh, sales rep for Nike, man. He, he would love to talk to you because they're trying to put together, you know, step up their skate program, and they really want to are interested in you. I was like. Okay, I'm always one open to opportunity, you know. And um, so I drove down to the skate shop, met up with Robbie, talked to me. Says, "Hey, this guy Sandy Bodecker, who was responsible for taking soccer from small piece in Nike to boom, becoming a huge part of Nike. Uh, now he's assigned to doing the same thing with skateboarding. He mm-hmm. really is interested in you and would love to talk to you. Would you like to meet with him?" So I said, "Yeah." So my manager and I flew to Portland. I went to Beaverton, Beaverton to the, yeah, yeah, to the to the headquarters. Met with him. 
sitting in his office. He has the coolest office because he has the best artwork and he's super yeah. into toys and he's a super like yeah. creative type dude. Dresses like doesn't wear a suit or nothing. Dresses like really like colorful and loud yeah. and just super like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe eccentric kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. Sounds like it. In a good Forward. Way. Yeah. Maybe the more politically <laughs> correct. Way. Yeah. And um, he he was just like nicest, most awesome dude. Um, and asked me if I wanted to get down with Nike, and I was just like, uh, "Sounds good to me." <laughs> so then from there, I just let you know my manager and them yeah. kind of hash out the details yeah. of what that looks like. That was it, man. That was it. It was it was uh, you know, like I said, I grew up always loving Michael Jordan, and in my mind, like yeah. now I could be associated with the company Speaking that he of, made I'm, famous. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I know you're the first skateboarder to be an official like Nike athlete, right? Is first right? skateboarder to have a signature shoe with Nike, and and like and also the number you've released eight shoes. Is that right with Nike? Uh, ten. Ten now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so which is like I there's mean, one like recently, right? Yeah, the, last summer it came out my ten. Yeah, which have been only three other athletes. To do that, right? It's Michael. I want to say Kobe. it was um no KD and so, I both oh, hit the ten club at the same time. Nice. Okay. Um, so so it's like so five, five of us, but I'm the only one. I'm the only non basketball player to ever do it. So yeah. I'm stoked on that. Which which is impressive because I think that skateboarding still has this kind of like underground like yeah you know it's like its own like community of people. It's not like even though there are nationally televised events. You know, it's not necessarily like the one of the four major sports. Totally, in the US. it's not not even close, yeah. man. Not even close. Um, so for me, that that's a proud achievement that I have that I'm very excited and thankful for. Where do you see the future of skating going or skateboarding going? Um, it's tough to say, man, because in this area era with you know social media, so eclectic, so many things like. I'm noticing all the cultures are coming together, mm-hmm. the music, the sports, the arts, fashion, everything's kind of like blending together, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what that's going to turn into. But as far as the actual skateboarding, I think it's going to get more dangerous. Like it's already like the kids, the big handrails these guys are skating and the injuries these guys are getting mm-hmm. are just becoming devastating. Um, but... Is it just it's like from the desire to be like different, like to not do what's been done before? Is that yeah? Yeah, so skateboarding is yeah. all about progression, all about progression. Like we gotta move forward, gotta you know. It's kind of like the dunk contest, like in basketball. It's like how many types of dunks can a human being do, and like you know, you kind of just end up you know trying to be creative, but sometimes it backfires. Yeah, <laughs> but I, but in skateboarding, it's different because there's there's an endless amount of combinations and there's endless amount of um, obstacles you can skate. Right, like right, right. you know, when I drive down the street, I'm I'm looking at architecture different than the average person. I'm looking at look at that ledge, look at those stairs. Oh, that's a gap. So like you might come across some weird architecture that is just a unique obstacle, and if you can envision yourself skating it and doing some tricks on there, like that that in itself is different. Even if you're doing a common trick, you're doing it on a unique obstacle Mm -hmm. or even if you're skating a basic obstacle you're doing a never been done before trick or combination of tricks so it's hard but not everybody does but there's still like that thing i was talking about style or you still got to make it look good it still has to be the thing i always found the skateboarders who i was always drawn to were the ones on the videos that i would watch and be like he makes me want to get up from my seat and go skate right now Mm -hmm. if you make me feel like i want to go skate then that's the type of skater I like to watch. So I think probably a lot of other skaters would relate to that. But where I see it going is just, yeah, like, of course, 
more stylish, more smoother, fluent things. And, and the technical, what used to be the hardest tricks ever are going to start becoming the more basic tricks. And people are going to make what my generation thought were the hardest tricks. They're going to make them look so easy and graceful yeah. and finesseful. And they already are doing mm -hmm. that. And I think especially skateboarding is going to be in the Olympics. So I'm real curious what's going to happen with That's it from cool. there. Is that going to be this is the first one in the next Olympics? In 2020. So I'm, I'm curious what's going to yeah. happen from there. Um, well, in 2028, you will see that live in LA. Yeah, it's true. Here. That's true. So to answer your question, I don't know where skateboarding is yeah. going. I think it's getting a lot bigger mm -hmm. for sure. A lot more mm -hmm. opportunity, especially with social media. Right. A lot of these skaters who don't have traditional sponsors are still making careers for themselves through basically influencer being marketing, skate yeah. influencers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it's, uh, I think it's good. I like where skateboarding is at, to be honest. If you had to answer the question of how or what has translated the most from being a professional skateboarder to being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. what would that be? Um, I guess grit or persistence. You know, skateboarding is all about falling down over and over and over and over and over. Literally. Yeah, literally, but getting up and yeah. eventually succeeding. And I think being an entrepreneur, um, Especially, you know, primitives. We just celebrated our ten-year anniversary, and there's been a lot of falling down over that ten years. But thank God we've gotten up every time, mm -hmm. and we're still here, and we're finally like starting to land our tricks. You know what I mean? So, um, and I guess on that point, like, how do you see? How does like a brand like Primitive like transcend you as well? Like, I mean, once, I mean, like, you know, you're done, and you're kind of like not. Mm -hmm. in, in that you know on the forefront of skateboarding like. um i think in a lot of ways the, the story we tell like through our artwork through our boards through our clothing i think um through our skate team is very vital because they're the guys who we um pick to represent the brand who we feel um kind of align with the brand i guess ideals or whatnot mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um who are going to be the one who are the ones pushing skateboarding now to the next generation to mm -hmm. the next these guys are the next generation these yeah. guys i believe all the guys on our team are the next and becoming the next skateboard superstars you know so that's kind of what what i think primitive is about progression and pushing forward um of course you know we take great care in our artwork and 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 want it to be visually pleasing as well but you know at the core of it we're skateboarders and we started in skateboarding and it's very important to us to always contribute to um progression and who we pick to be a part of our team how they as individuals are doing their part in pushing skateboarding you know that's kind of my thought on it in a nutshell love it mm -hmm. love it well, paul I mean, it's been such a great conversation. I, I, I love, I mean, it's it's so unique because like we don't, we haven't sat down with like someone from your, your perspective to be able mm -hmm. to tell the story of like being a pro athlete and when it comes to skateboarding, there, there are so many parallels with just like life and business and there is, yeah. everyone can really relate to to that story and, and I'm excited to see, I mean, all the best with, with uh, your situation now and Thank I'm excited you. to see how you come out of it and Thank you. come out stronger. Appreciate and so yeah, Thank thanks you. for your time. Thank hey, you. my pleasure. Thank you, guys. I appreciate having some uh, fellow Valley <laughs> Valley homies here, so it's good. It's been great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, guys. Wow.